0: Before this season started, I had sat down with uh, Dre, and he was just telling me to be where I wanted to be, and I was going to have to take a lot of sacrifices this offseason, and uh, it's definitely starting to pay off. When you're facing a guy like Herbert, you got to affect him in some type of way. Of course, he can throw the ball anywhere on the field, so pass rush definitely going to be a big emphasis for us this week. My objective is to get to him, make him uncomfortable.
1: This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and we're in episode 119. I'm Tatum Everett, always happy to be joined by Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson. And guys, it was just another game coming down to the wire. Third overtime contest of the season. The Vikings are now 1-2 and two in OT after the 34-31 to 31 loss on the road at Baltimore. It's just one of those games. We were in it all the way until the end when we weren't.
2: Yeah, and that's been the story of the season thus it far. Really has. Um just being in games that we should already have won and then waiting to the end to either lose or win. Um one and two in overtime. Eight games, three overtimes thus mm-hmm. far. Like that that is the story of our team, uh, up until this point. And it's like, dude, we're up fourteen points in the third quarter. You get a kick return, you got an opportunity, uh, to Stop their offense. We stop their offense and then we can't put up points. And it's like, here we go again. The offense is already having a great day, great first half. And it's like you just want to sustain some of those drives and continue the momentum that we already have. And, I mean, sudden sudden change has probably been the biggest ordeal this entire season.
1: Jay, it's like they play to the level of their competition and are always in games.
3: We're always in games. And and if you want to find a stat that I think is very telling right now, do you guys know what the point differential average is between the Vikings and their opponents so far this season?
1: I'm gonna say
3: per game a- on a per game oh, basis. Per game? On a per, per game basis, oh, yeah, yeah. What is the point differential? I
1: would say like three and a half.
3: I'll probably say four. Point four points per game. Point four. Point, point four. four. We currently, <laughs> wow. we currently have won by a grand total of twenty-one points in our three wins. And our five losses have been by 18 points. There is a three-point difference for the entire season. That is how razor-thin these losses and wins have been for us. And if you think about it, that uh, Seattle game was by 13 points. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been just insane how close this season has been to you know doing the right thing, getting the win, having that final drive. And we've how many times even this week you had. All of these different times in the drives, you're just looking at it saying, Mm -hmm. just punch the thing in and and we've got it. You know, we need to have something to get to overtime. We Mm -hmm. get it Um, when we it feels like when you get to crunch time, this team finds a way just not to finish at the end. And that has been the most maddening thing for this entire season. We're good enough.
1: Oh, one thousand percent. I mean, I think that point differential just tells you how good enough. Because when you think about the types of teams we've been playing, I mean, we have. You know, kept it close with the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the, the Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. I mean, like these teams are no slouches in their divisions, their leading divisions. And so, yeah, that's it's that stats maddening and frustrating. And yeah. I honestly did not know. Well, you know, g- kudos on the research on that one. Man, that's a bad one. Uh So so obviously that's that's a lot of sounds of frustrations from us right off the top of the podcast.
2: Oh, this was not the Vince session.
1: It sounded like the vent (laughs) session. I'll give you guys another minute to maybe we'll go in more detail about, I guess, what exactly made you the most frustrated um, this week. But I also kind of thought there were a lot of bright spots, um, a lot of individual performances technically to talk about. So we'll kind of we'll butt these things against each other. We'll have a a minute to vent and a minute to just kind of talk about what you walked away from as far as like you know, the power minute of positivity that we like to say it. So um, I guess, Gabe, would you like to do the honors and go first? Three, two, one.
2: Um, I, I think my biggest vent sesh is how we played two halves of football uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, one hundred Well, 204 total yards in the first half of offense. You got 102 rushing and passing yards in the first half. That is as balanced as you can get. And then we go out in the second half and only get 96 yards. Uh, first half, we were 4 of 8 on third down. We finished the game with one more third down conversion, ending 5 of 14. And you're just like, what happened? Like, wh- where did this thing go? Why can't we finish this game? Literally, the Baltimore Ravens, they were ready to quit. And it kind of it, it kind of felt like the Arizona Cardinals game a little bit to me. Um, you're, you're winning going into the half, and then they score right before the half. That pass interference – Uh, on Xavier Woods right before the half killed me. And I'm like, all right, well, hopefully that doesn't kill the momentum. And then it seemed like right after that kick return in the second half, all hell broke loose.
1: To your point, though, the Vikings even says allowed 45 points in the final two minutes of the first half of the season. I was bracing myself. Mm-hmm. when they got the ball before halftime and I was you know talking to Robert because Robert and I get really frustrated Robert Smith and I get really frustrated together does the post-game show I get to watch the games the away games with him and he and I were sitting there being like please don't please don't allow us right here because this is the this is what's been happening on repeat and it was the same old song and dance
2: but even to that point um, it was stirred down right and you started getting some confidence. It was third down right before Lamar Jackson threw that ball. And uh I think it was to Rashad Bateman and we had the PI and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, like we're actually getting some momentum. Like we're, we're going to make them punt and then know the ball up 14, going into the half or at least 17 to six. And then boom, it's like, ah, so like it's, it's, it's moments like that. Costly penalties. Well, you in, and, that, in oh, that point.
1: Yeah. And you hear the 45 points. And you think of Jay's point differential stat, and that's also just you just shore up yeah. that one part of the game, and you would potentially be—I mean, I won't say undefeated, but like, I mean, kind of.
3: I think I think the hard part with watching that, as as you said, was they get the ball, and 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 the mentality is, oh no, not again, right, mm-hmm. right, right at that that point. And I think the the most disheartening thing on my end was I was messaging with some people. When the the score at half was only a seven point differential, I'm like, given everything you did in that first quarter, given how many points you scored, and you're still only up by seven, yeah. that was the part uh, on my end. I was looking at it saying, it just feels like, man, there's some missed opportunities here. 1000%.
1: Yeah. Four well,
3: plays away from being seven
2: and one. That's yeah.
1: absolutely insane. Crazy. Oh, I, you know, I think after all of this, we probably need to do a deep dive. Yeah. Into like NFL history and see like how many teams have had it this close or in this situation that's happened before.
3: Yeah. That's our luck this year. They're, they're, they're,
1: like, they're making history. They're, they're making history. Yeah. Just not the right kind of history.
3: They were saying that there were, I think we were the third team that's done this on, you know, back to back to back weeks kind of a thing. Oh, so sure. like it, it that is not the side of the stat and history that you really no, want to be
1: on. It's not. Well, Jay, it's maddening, but yep. you got any other extra frustrations you'd like to take out?
3: Um, Sure.
1: Ready? Go.
3: I think the thing that was most maddening for me was not only that you had the hot start that we had just talked about, but then you also had Kine Wangu coming into the game and housing a kick return for the first time since 2016. Um, we've been begging for someone to kind of pick up the mantle like Cordero Patterson used to and to to see a bright spot like that and come out and feel like, OK, here we go. We're changing. We're changing the the M.O. of what we're known for at this point, you know, starting second halves like we're we, we're jumping on these guys and we're just going to keep the pedal down. And then to again, to go back into the lull, that was uh, uh, ridiculously frustrating. But then on top of that, you also have guys like Kenny Willekes who are stepping up mm-hmm. in spot duties and you're seeing these younger guys that are filling Definitely. in and they're actually producing in a in a positive manner. It was very fun and very hopeful to feel like these guys are going to be able to not only produce now but for the future and to again see the result happen the way it did getting to overtime it was just a very disheartening.
1: That I think that's what's so maddening because I again I keep using this word but um because of the way that you feel after these losses It's like I still have a lot of great things to say about players. And the youth movement is very promising right now. You wonder, like, obviously you don't want to be that team that's just like, well, we're going to be good eventually. But it is nice to see some of these young guys really stick out because there are so many injuries in this game.
3: In a season of frustration, in a season of of having some of your bigger names that are now out not only short-term but long-term, there have been criticism just saying, you know, why why aren't we picking players that are producing immediately? Why aren't these young guys stepping up? And I think now that that some of these other players are, are getting to the point now where they're in season two and potentially three, mm-hmm. um, and, and coaches are now looking at them saying, you know, it's go time. And mm-hmm. the, the fact that they're actually producing and, and you're flashing on the field and you're like, man, where's this been? I think that that's very – promising and hopeful for the future and and given a guy like Willekes who got injured right away when he came in here, but they've stuck with him. um, It's been, it was fun to watch him play in that game and just kind of feel like, yeah, we got another guy coming up here through the ranks.
2: I think um, DJ Wanham had an underrated game too. uh, Filling in for Daniel Hunter. He had a sack, had a few hurries. He was playing against a guy that was 6'9 and Andrew Villanueva. So, yeah. You t- yeah. And it's, he, it's, it's he tough had to on the end. He
3: had a couple of plays that they pointed out on TV, and I'm like, that guy is a monster. Yeah.
2: So, yes. but to your point of some of these second year guys coming in and stepping up, um, I, I think a guy in Cameron Danceler, he didn't play a bad game either. You expect some of these guys to make a jump in their career last week against the Cowboys. You know, it was a little tough. You know, it was their first game in there or their first game. Well, DJ Wan in particular. First game actually playing. So coming into this game, you, you can tell they had that extra juice uh, this weekend. It showed. I mean, granted, this um, Baltimore Ravens team had 89 plays, 500 yards. Yeah. but That's still only 5.6 yards per play. So and that kudos kudos to the
3: defense. And I think that's the hardest part is you just you look at this this game that just happened and you think about the fact defensively they were on the field for eighty nine. I'm going to time
1: out you guys real quick because uh, that's my Vencesh.
3: Oh my bad. Understood. No worries.
1: No worries. <laughs> All right.
3: So we will we will stop and you can pick up the mantle. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Pass the baton. Um, okay. So my Vencesh. Time of possession forty five minutes versus twenty three. Number of offensive plays, 88 versus 52. First downs, 36. This offense, this offense led by a very capable quarterback with a very capable backfield and a very capable ride-receiving core. 13 first downs. Eight penalties for 107 yards. We're in week eight. Week nine. I mean, we this is not something that needs to be happening. You're just you're shooting yourself in the foot. And for me, another thing that really just stuck out with this offense is if you take out that Justin Jefferson touchdown and that Dalvin Cook 66 yard run, 202 yards of total offense. And despite all of that, you lose an overtime. There's just so many good things going on. But to me, this team is their own worst enemy. And it's very frustrating because I think you want to believe in them. And I and I do believe in them. It's just to see these stats and as they're happening, oh, wow. It's just frustrating. I'm done.
2: I, I, honestly, I you, my made case. A, you made a good point. I <laughs> honestly think a lot of it is penalties. Like we're shooting ourselves in the foot. That one penalty, it was like right after the half, we score on the kickoff return, the Baltimore Ravens score. So it's 24 to 17. And you're like, okay, like, granted, our offense is had their way in the first half. We should be able to have our way in the second half. We already got some momentum. And then they go seven plays, 16 yards. But we have three penalties on that drive. And one is a holding. The other's a false start. You're already putting yourself at second and 20. You yep. get eight yards, false start, second and 13. So it's like we're, we're, we're killing ourselves with these penalties. I don't think the execution is there. I think it's more so mental errors. And mental errors in key moments, and I'm sure th- this coaching staff they're going to talk to these guys about that. Like you know, 107 yards is a lot of yards when it comes
3: to penalties, especially and, well, in a
1: game that came down to you know the game-winning field goal. Yeah,
3: uh, I, I tend to be somebody that kind of takes those yards and just mathematically says it's almost the equivalent of just add that to whatever the other team's offense has done. Yeah. So now you're looking at it going over six, six over six hundred yards worth of offense on that on that. You know, for the other team mm-hmm. on that, it's like that is almost insurmountable. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and, and in this case, almost, it, it was
1: almost. Yeah. But imagine if they would have scored after the Anthony Barr interception. Yeah. Then you would have been like, look at all these stats and they still managed to win. Which yeah.
3: is why when you have things like a plus two turnover dif- differential on back to back weeks and you lose both games that is that is absolutely it's bad. almost
1: like defying defying the the science of football in a way like they've been defying all of the things that you know if you if you write a winning formula book yeah it's like defying the fundamentals that um, the probabilities and all the analytics side of things, it's defying it.
2: I mean, it, there is science behind it, but football is just a game of chess.
1: No, I, I, I know. But it's just it's just kind of like but like there is a science behind it. There is
2: a sign for sure. I, I'm with you on that. But like I, I was just I was talking about this earlier this week and I was like after watching the film, you really understand. After watching the film, this Ravens game, you really un- it helped me understand how much of a game of chess uh, the game of football is. Like on third down, third and one, Dalvin Cook has the sixty six yard touchdown, right? So as as an offensive coordinator, you're like, okay, well, they're gonna expect uh, a blitz. they're gonna expect a sweep or a run on the second, I mean on the on the next third and short. And granted, they didn't blitz. So like we're running like a, a blitz type of pass, like a couple of out routes, and they're in zone coverage. And it's like Damn, they just they just outsmarted us, and like yeah. you just got to chalk that up. And it's almost like
1: you have to like and like you anticipate their move, but then you have to anticipate what they think you think you're gonna do. It's chess. Yeah. it's chess. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I heard. Um, i trying to remember. I heard an expert basically talking about what was different in this game versus normal, mm-hmm. and they were saying that the Ravens are one of the most blitz happy defenses, mm-hmm. and so you know we're assuming going in there that that's going to happen they blitz 25% of the game which was crazy, well below their average and so that's exactly what you're talking about we're we're anticipating a lot of blitzes and they're basically going to high safety zone and and, and a and lot of their blitzes were on second down yeah. which
2: they didn't show much at all. And they, like you, to your point, they blitz 25% of the time this past game. They usually blitz like 40% yeah. of the game every single game this year.
3: And the most critical play that we had was on the turnover and overtime on that third down. They brought the blitzing guy yeah. off their right, our left side, Right at the critical time, and we've seen Zimmer do that in the past, where you know you're kind of flipping up your scheme a little bit, and then when it gets to pressure time, that's when you turn up the heat, and right. that, that's exactly what they did to us. So again, like you're saying, kudos wise to mm-hmm. them, yeah. chess wise, that was a very very well. They smart learned play. from
1: their mistakes against the Bengals yeah. for sure.
3: That second and eight overtime,
2: you're talking about that that one drive, so second and the second, yeah, and they we, we lose a yard on it, yeah. The second and eight. I mean, what you're thinking is like, okay, well, they got to pass the ball here, so that, I mean. As a defensive coordinator, it's like all right. The Vikings got to pass the ball. They got to get some some yards to gain. They send the house. We do a sweep, minus one yard. And so, yep. Damn! Like this is a game. Like it's yeah. Like if, you, if you're really mm-hmm. into like the cerebral part of the game, you, like you love stuff like that. And I was like, dude. I mean, you really can't. You talk it up to just like, it's a game of chess. You love to be on the winning side.
1: Of it. Yes, exactly. of <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. so you want a <laughs> exactly. checkmate, so for exactly. sure. Well, I like, guess we mentioned a little earlier, there were some positives in this game as well. So I I'll, I'll, I think we should take a minute to just reflect on what we could capitalize on this week when yeah. the Vikings traveled to the Chargers on Sunday. So Gabe, I'll put you on the clock. You ready?
2: Um, something that we can build on is how effective we were on first down. Uh, we, I think we averaged like over six yards on first down this past game. And that's something that we can continue to build on as far as like getting ahead of the sticks, uh, calling some shots. First play of the game was a reverse to Justin Jefferson calling it, switching things up. And I feel like if we're able to be effective against this team on first down, they will eventually fold. They will have to respect our pass game. And then that's when opportunities for the run will work. And I think, um, Whoever is toting the ball, whether that's Kirk, whether that's Dalvin, Alexander Madison, Justin Jefferson, there will be opportunities for those guys to run in space if uh, awarded the opportunity, because you look at our offense, you know, we're going to play action pass. And if we are a step ahead, like we were just talking about playing chess, if we are a step ahead against these guys, and they're thinking past after we uh, gash them for a couple of runs down the field, I think that will bode well for whoever is in the box on this LA
3: Chargers defense.
1: Perfect timing.
3: Oh wow, that was, that even, was beautiful. Nice,
1: nice execution. <laughs> the offense should take some notes.
3: <laughs> yeah. now, now, you, now you turn up the heat on me on this one. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jay, you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right, go. I think for me, the thing that's been most positive that you can build on, not only from this past week but from previous weeks, is the amount of turnovers that we're getting. The fact that you're you're seeing people being set up to be able to make some some positive plays especially defensively and get the ball back in the offense's hands offense then has to do something with it but to see the athletic play that Anthony Barr made which Mm -hmm. was ridiculous um, and it was great to see him tip the ball to himself and go for it Um, and then on top of that the interception that happened you're looking at this defense still making plays even though they were on the field for you know almost 90 plays for the, for the game. But for me, it's every single week seeing defensively them not quit and, and trying to make plays to get the ball back in the offense's hands, um, has been something that I've been very, very happy with. So hopefully, um, coming up here against the chargers, they still have some guys that have some huge playmaking ability. And I think, uh, you can potentially get Herbert to make a couple of mistakes and hopefully the offense can capitalize.
1: Perfect. I mean, yeah, think about it. Uh, I put this into perspective on the post-game show because it was just like so, like after the defensive performance that we had, the numbers don't really speak for itself because uh, to the effort, to your point. But you think about four veterans out for this game, and Pierce, Smith, Peterson, Hunter, plus Prashad Breeland goes down in the second quarter. Yeah. yeah. So you've got five starters, almost half of your starters gone, and you're still contending with an NFL MVP and an offense that you know is very dangerous, both on the ground and in the air. I mean it. It really does is a testament to how you know Adam Zimmer and Andre Patterson have prepared these guys to be ready for anything. And next man up, next man up.
3: And and I think the hardest part is is you have that paired with it's the yin and the yang of yeah. that side mixed with 500 yards given up, right? And and and, and that's. Again, but still only five point six yards per play. I claim. know, and we and we keep Ben
1: don't break, man. But
3: we keep we keep saying the word, and I think for me, it's just maddening. It's yeah. <laughs> yes. It, 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 there's it a lot of logic. there's a lot of things you can point to and say this is a positive, and on the flip side, say, but why is this other side happening? And I think that's got to be driving them nuts up in the coaching department. And this is an event sesh,
2: but I think if I had to put one <laughs> word on. Everything is penalties. We're the seventh most penalized team as far as yards. Wait, the there NFL. are six
1: other teams that are worse than us.
2: Yeah, and they have losing records too.
1: Oh, okay. Well,
2: surprise, surprise. Wow.
1: But <laughs>
2: it, it's it's so frustrating when you have so many penalty yards, but you're doing so well on the other side mm-hmm. of the spectrum. Like that kind of negates everything. It's kind of like. Twenty-five times zero, still zero at the end of the day, and that's kind of what the penalties are for us.
1: I like the math it's like analogy. Multi- it's like multiplication. I love it. Very nice. <laughs> Time zero. Well, I'll go with my my piece of positivity. Um, I'm actually kind of uh, going to go a little on out on a not on a limb here. I don't feel, but um, a lot of off-season moves bringing a lot of guys this this year. But low-key, one of the best ones I think we realized this week may have been that trade for Mason Cole. We traded away a six-round pick for Cole, who stepped in for Bradbury, who was out last week on the COVID-19 list. And I think the one thing that we learned in this is if you don't say an offensive lineman's name, it usually means he's doing something right. Mm -hmm. And no one has talked about Mason Cole. And not saying that that's a good or bad thing. I just think that the ability to seamlessly step up when your number is called, as we just mentioned a second ago, is so important. And in Bradbury's absence, I feel like he held his own. I don't know. I'm not really into like PFF score grades and things like that. But for me, like the effectiveness of the offense, nothing fell on his shoulders per se. And so it is nice to see that pay off. Period. (laughs) Jay threw his hands up. Time is up. Yes.
3: (laughs) The nice thing for him is when they did bring him in, you're looking at him. Kind of, kind of trying to figure out like what's his role here, um, but the the thing that was the big green light for me when we did pick him up was the fact that he has multiple years of experience, mm-hmm. um, and and knowing that it. It's not going to be too big for him if they do call him in. So given the situation, especially the COVID situation that happened, um, having him step in there, you're kind of raising an eyebrow saying we haven't really seen him work with everybody <laughs> else here, especially the starters mm-hmm. uh, very much. And, and to have that be pretty dang seamless was was very encouraging experience helps oh, a lot for sure as happy as people would have been to see Wyatt
2: Davis get his first start i think they're pleased with Mason Cole
1: you know if you don't have to start them and and you can let them develop and you can yeah. let them get to know the game and you're not throwing them into the fire that we've also seen you know a lot of uh, good things from that and speaking of guys that are really coming into their own and stepping up when there are others down Let's talk about Armin Watts. This mm. is going to be our MVP guest in just a second. In the wake of injuries, especially losing Michael Pierce, Armin Watts has helped that blow a little bit, lay a little bit easier. So here we have our player guest of the week on MVP, Armin Watts. Armin, how's it going? I'm
0: good. How you doing?
1: How you feeling after that game?
0: I'm good. It was a lot of reps. so <laughs> A lot of guys are feeling it this week, but... I think coach is putting us in a good position this week to get our bodies back.
1: Have you played in that many, like in that number of minutes, that many snaps?
0: Uh, In the NFL, no, I don't believe so. In
1: in college, you had a couple of games replayed around 45 (laughs) minutes on the field? (laughs)
0: Yeah, college I'm sure, but definitely
2: um, in the NFL, I've never played that many snaps. Getting that amount of snaps and then getting your first I guess full sack of the season against Lamar Jackson like walk walk us through that because it's hard to get to the guy but when you get him I'm sure it's got to be a good feeling yeah it is um I gotta give credit to the defensive ends um of
0: course our game plan was um containing a guy like him and Mm -hmm. um you know we were gonna need some inside pass rush so I knew um you know I was gonna have to work quick moves against those guards to get back there to him and you know, when we get back there, you just got to treat him like a running back. You know, mm-hmm. you can't try to tackle him like a quarterback. So, I think that's what Did
1: he remind was. you of anybody that you've played before?
0: No. <laughs> I think oh, Lamar. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think Lamar, he's kind of in like a category of his own right now for what he can do on the field, for his
2: running the ball, and different dynamics he can do. I talked to some of the defensive linemen, they always say like, like, Armin, you know, we all, I asked them, like, you know, what are some skill sets that some guys have, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, they say, like, when Steven was here, you know, he was strong. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he locked you out. Uh, Danil, he's really good with his hands. But one mm-hmm. thing they said about you is, like, you're powerful, but you're really good with your hands also. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, I mean, for a fact, we know that that's key for for a defensive lineman. So mm-hmm. being that good, I know you got a <clears throat> basketball background. You, you strike me as a point guard, a guy that wanted to play point <laughs> guard in high school, but <laughs> how much this – hands and, you know, your background of playing basketball have to do with your success against offensive linemen?
0: Uh, I think it's big. I played basketball all the way up until college. So I gotta give credit. You know, that's where I get some of my athleticism from. Okay. Um, you know, you get good feet out of doing stuff like that. So uh hands are huge. When you could do when you can be powerful and use your hands on the defensive line, especially inside, um I think it's only gonna take your game to the next level.
2: So I was looking at some pictures like you, you were a lineman in high, in high <laughs> yeah. school that wore a visor and wore vapor cleats. <laughs> yeah. So clearly you wanted to be a, like a, a
0: a point guard, right? <laughs> yeah. <I> was, <laughs> to be honest, like growing up, I always thought I was going to be a basketball player. Really? But it was like the more I got older, it was like my mom was like, all right, maybe it's time for go to football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I went out in high school, gave it a try. And uh, the rest is history. When did yeah. it click? Uh, I want to say I got in the swing of things, maybe like my sophomore year it was like, OK, you know, you put in time, okay. you know, effort with your body, stature, you know, you could get good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, I still wanted to play basketball. But the more I developed, the more I got better at football, I was like, OK, I'm going to start putting my focus on this and see where it takes me. Might be So you
1: hadn't me. played a snap of football till high school.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's very interesting. So what, did, what made your mom think that that was kind of like the route you should go?
0: uh i was always bigger than everybody (laughs) in my grade you know uh, i was always taller bigger wise so you know she was like um she always kind of pushed me to play football when i was younger you know i would try out here and there but i just never stuck stuck with it uh you know i just love basketball and um you know one day she pretty much i don't say she forced me but (laughs) (laughs) she almost forced me so i went out there and made the best of it and uh it took me in, so it's like you six three, two ninety, yeah. like playing basketball now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, like I
1: mean, mom, no, mom always knows that. Yeah,
0: she does. So um, the older I got, was like you know you got to be like
2: six ten, mm-hmm. like th- to be that type of size mm-hmm. in NBA. So it was like all right. So I mean, I know St. Louis is a <clears throat> basketball city. Mm-hmm. And I know you went to school with Patrick McCall, <laughs> yep. which is, I, I mean he works hard, but I always say like he one of the <laughs> luckiest dudes ever. Yeah, he won three rings in his first three seasons. Yeah, me and Pat, uh, we actually grew up right down the
0: street from each other, so we we still close to this day. Mm. But uh, yeah, we got guys like Pat, Brad, Bill, Jason Tatum. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a basketball city, and those guys are doing some good stuff in the NBA.
1: You still keep up with it? You watch a lot of NBA. And-
0: I do, you know, I do just because of, you know, like I say, I'm from St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not an
2: everyday type of basketball guy, but Mm -hmm. I definitely keep up with it. (laughs) A lot of what the success of this team is, is based off of what the defensive line does. Mm -hmm. And Michael Pierce not being in the lineup going down, you had to step up in a key role. How how has he helped you get to this point? I know you've been in the league three years. He's new here, but Mm -hmm. having a guy with that experience and coming from a new team with a fresh perspective, how has that helped you?
0: Uh he's been he's been awesome uh along this whole journey ever since he got here really um uh, you know he wasn't in camp much so I had to step in and uh he was always giving me pointers on what I could do and mm-hmm. you know what I was good at and just focus on that and um you know I knew it was going to be a challenge stepping up to the plate uh starting this many games I didn't know how many games it was going to be but mm-hmm. I knew I was going to have to step in and play a big part so you know, I always tell myself whenever you get the opportunity, you just got to make the most of it. And like you said, it's my year three, so mm. it's a big year for me.
1: Yeah. How do you feel like you've been playing? <clears throat>
0: uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of like a humble guy, so I don't like I sure. don't uh, live off highs and lows. You know, That's I'm good. just always focused on that day and what's ahead of me. But um, you know, from what I've been seeing, and you know, of course, what I've been doing on the field, I've been feeling like I've been doing a good job.
1: Do you feel like it's different? For you right now, like you've kind of turned a corner in, in just your comfortability out there?
0: Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, Like I said, it's year three. So really for me, it was like I want to show coaches that each year, you know, he's getting better and better. And I think this
2: year was that year I, I needed to show that. You got a play that, that – <clears throat> I mean, we got a few because we watch every game mm-hmm. and I know you're in the moment. But do you have a play that stands out to you that, you know, it was a moment for you you are like, okay, like I can do this, and I can do this at a high level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, probably the Carolina game, the sack against um,
0: uh, with Donner. Sam Darnold. Yeah. yeah, the forced fumble. Uh, that was kind of a momentum play for the game, and um, you know I was good and pass rush that game. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, if I can stay consistent at this, then you know it's just this is who you are. So you mm-hmm. need to stick with it and keep getting better and better. It's one of
1: those I, moments you probably won't forget, huh? Yeah, no, nah.
0: we <laughs> won't forget know. either because I was big. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, was big. A, that was a
2: key moment, and it was. just stepping up in those key moments—that's how people remember players. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get a sack on second down, and then yeah. they convert to third down. It's like, all right, well, this isn't a, a, a brand new drive, but like exactly. actually stepping up in those moments—like, Um, like what what do you attribute that to? Uh I would say this off season. Um, Before this
0: season started, I had sat down with uh, Dre, Mm -hmm. and he was just telling me um, to be where I wanted to be. You know, I was gonna have to take a lot of sacrifices this off season for spending uh, more money on my body and um, being in shape come camp time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I actually took that to heart. So, you know, I did sacrifice. I actually came down here and uh, worked out with some of the coaches, uh, spent more money back home. So I was going back and forth between here and home, doing workouts and stuff. And uh, I just think I was more focused, mm-hmm. and uh, it's definitely starting to pay off. Um, so I'm happy with the results.
1: I mean, how great does it feel though to yeah. like have that what you put in the off season show up on the field right now?
0: Yeah, it's big, you know. Sometimes uh, yeah, you're smiling. It d- yeah, it doesn't even <laughs> hit you uh, right then and there. But to see it pay off and how it's paying off, um, you know, I, I wasn't even expecting to come in and play nose guard to well. be honest. Uh, but Mike went down, and I stepped up, and uh, just to be able to, you know, do what I could do at the nose guard is big in the NFL. A lot of people don't realize that.
2: So, you know, I was just trying to make the best of it, man. And I always say, investments always have a return. Oh, so yeah, the fact definitely. that you, the fact that you're investing <laughs> in your body, invested in, you know, your how you want to be, uh, it's it's great to see the return. I know the returns always mm-hmm. don't come when you want them to, but yeah,
0: it's 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 always you got to be patient with the NFL. You know, yeah, I was a six round draft pick, so patient was from day one. You know, I knew I wasn't going to come out there and play automatically. You got to earn. So, like you said, to see your investments pay off, it's, it's like you're betting on yourself, really. Yeah. And that's what I did this off season. just put it all on me.
1: What do you like pl- about the nose guard? Uh, I know you said maybe it wasn't like you didn't think that was going to be your role, but what have you liked about playing that position so far?
0: Uh, to me, I, I like it because – uh, I think Dre trusts me to play both nose and three, and when I can play the nose very good, it opens up the doors for a lot more things. Um, being a nose guard, you get a lot of double teams. Uh, yeah. A lot of teams don't um, expect nose guards to be able to pass rush. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a few of minutes lead that can do it, and they're really good at it.
2: So, mm-hmm. when you can get a nose guard that can rush the passer, it's always a plus. You hit on a keyword before as patience, and I know fishing is something that you like to do. And mm-hmm. patient takes a lot of patience in <laughs> yes. that. <There's>, Too much <laughs> patience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and patience I don't have. Yeah. And I feel like Tatum doesn't have it either. <clears throat>
1: no, not the slightest. <laughs> but h- how does,
2: you know, fishing and balancing yourself off the field, how, how do you think that's helped you on the field, especially knowing that you took mm-hmm. more time to get your body right for this year? Yeah, I think um,
0: sometimes it can be hard, but it's all a mental game at the mm. end of the day. Um, you know, I, going into college, I didn't really – starting to my senior year, my fifth year of college, so oh, wow. I battled that virtually all through college. Um, you know, I finally got that opportunity and took off, and uh, so really my whole career has been about being patient, and mm-hmm. when the opportunity comes, make the most of it, so, you know, I'm never in a rush to see the results, mm-hmm. you know, I, everything happens when it's supposed to happen, but you just got to make sure that you step up to the plate when that time comes at the end of the day, so... I'm big on patience and adversity. That's great. I mean,
1: speaking speaking of the fishing, though, I wanted to ask you. You, be, you know, you you kind of sounds like you haven't really fished up here before. Have you tried ice fishing?
0: <laughs> I haven't tried ice fishing. <laughs> Have you um, heard
1: how they do that here? I
0: do. I had a it's guy from college huh? with uh, Frank Rag. Now he's actually yeah. from uh, <laughs> Minnesota. Um
1: oh, he's from Minnesota. That's yeah. right. Great.
0: And um, he would be ice fishing all the time on his social media, <laughs> and I'd be <laughs> seeing it. But uh. Yeah, I went fishing a few times up here. When I first got here, I went with L.J. Uh, mm-hmm. Linville Joseph. Um, some fish. Yeah, some and fish he called me, uh, took me out on a canoe and showed me some things. So
1: nice.
2: Is
0: this your first time playing against L.J. since it he's is. been on the? Like, is, yeah. how,
2: how? I mean, I'm sure he's been a huge influence on your uh, career yeah. too. So, like,
0: I didn't get my opportunity, my rookie, until he went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had that big game against Dallas. So you know, he showed me the blueprint. Uh, ever since I got here he showed me what I needed to do and don't do Mm -hmm. and uh, he he was a great mentor for sure
1: Uh, speaking of mentors you talked a little bit about Andre Patterson and something he said last week kind of resonated with me so I wanted to get your thoughts on it he said you guys have to stop trying not to lose games Mm -hmm. and start earning the win going for the Mm -hmm. win is that just a difference in mindset when you're in those moments like in these close games that you've been in literally every week
0: yeah, I think it definitely is. When, when you consistently in close games like that, I think sometimes we might panic and be like, okay, well, let's not lose this one. Let's not make this mistake. Let's not do this. And so, um, you know, the coaches are trying to help us get to that mentality where, you know, we're going to win this or the outcome is going to be different. You know, we expect to win. We have to expect to win it and not expect to – you know, panic and say, hey, let's not do something to lose this game.
2: All right, um, right. I'll get you out of here with this because we've played so many different types of teams from um, just the last few weeks, the, the Lions, who still trying to figure some things out. But the Panthers that mm-hmm. want to run the ball, they're playing with our Christian McCaffrey. So you mm-hmm. got a young quarterback to Dallas Cowboys, the second-string quarterback, to last week, arguably the most dynamic runner yep. in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. Now we got a young quarterback who's on pace to be one of the most dynamic passers mm-hmm. in the history of the game. Yep. What changes for you when playing a Lamar Jackson versus a Justin Herbert? Uh,
0: I would say, of course, there are two different type of players. Um, you know, Herbert, he, he could be mobile too, but mm-hmm. not, of course not as mobile as Lamar. So I would say to – When you're facing a guy like Herbert, you got to affect him in some type of way. Of course, he can throw the ball anywhere on the field. So Mm -hmm. the more you make him uncomfortable, the better it is going to be for us. So Mm -hmm. pass rush definitely going to be a big emphasis for us this week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my objective is to get to him and make him uncomfortable.
1: And I just want to say hats off on the Halloween entrance costume, Marshmallow. You a big fan Thank of his you. music?
0: Yeah, I actually, I found that mask at the last minute. It was like one of the only ones they had left. So I'm like, you know, let me grab it.
1: And then everyone confused you yeah. for Kendrick's. Yeah, I
0: figured they were going to have a uh, hard time figuring out who it was. It's
1: so. kind of part of the fun though, right? Yeah. Are you a big Halloween guy, a big Halloween costume guy?
0: Um, the older I get, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Younger wise, I didn't do it as much, but the older like it me. gets more fun. Yeah, you yeah. start putting things in perspective. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is actually fun after all. Yeah, like let me do something different. So yeah, I
1: very that. nice. Well, thank you so much to Armin Watts for joining us today on this episode of MVP. No Killer
0: Watts, thank
2: you.
1: A big thanks to Armin Watts for joining the podcast today. We always love when we can get to know the guys who may not be at the podium every week just a little bit better. They may not be the biggest names yet, but. There's so much more to know about them, and I love getting to know them and and kind of getting to know their personalities.
2: Is it Arkansas or Arkansas? Oh, definitely Ar- Arkansas. Arkansas.
1: Ar- Arkansas.
2: I said Arkansas. Arkansas. The first sixteen years of my life. You said
1: how what would you say? Arkansas. Sauce. Yeah, did sauce. You, it, like, just, it just, it just know any good. better. Or you think it's funny? Uh,
2: both. <laughs> who's asking uh, yeah <laughs> yeah he's got a lot of sauce in his game
1: got a lot of sauce in his game <laughs> okay well I think that the Vikings are going to need to bring the sauce this weekend yeah. when they go on the road against a 5-3 and three Chargers team who currently leads the AFC West they're the third best team in the AFC and the Vikings will play at SoFi for the first time ever and you know if they go on a giant 10 game win streak you never know might be playing there in February
3: Could start now
1: let's start the campaign now and so in order for that to happen they need to get a win this week and so we're going to get to know this matchup a little bit better by playing one thing we're excited about and one thing we're nervous for. So, Gabe, take it away with the first thing you're excited about for this matchup.
2: The one thing that I'm, I'm very excited about this week is our our run game, right? Um, this is a Chargers run defense that's given up 80 plus yards in a run game to a running back in five out of their eight games this year. Um, we're starting to pick up our run game. We got a 100 yard rusher in two out of our last three games. Uh, Dalvin Cook has been on fire as of late. The 66-yard run last week uh, shows that we can get the ball downhill effectively. And I think against this run defense of the L.A. Chargers, that is going to be the game plan. Linval Joseph, he's been here a few years. He's with the Chargers now. But when you're Andre Patterson, I'm sure they're talking to him. How do you best attack him when you look at him on film? And granted, Linval Joseph is a monster in the middle. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to trap him. Since he likes to get upfield a little bit and get the ball downhill and get it to the second level. Our offensive line, our run game is best when we're getting our guards to the second level. When our guards are blocking their linebackers and Dalvin Cook is untouched until he gets to their mm-hmm. linebackers, that's when we are at our best. And I think we'll be at our best on Sunday. When playing these L.A. Chargers at the home of Super Bowl 52.
1: Yeah, you know, and and they have got they've got several injuries as well on defense. That was very apparent against the Eagles team. This team, this Chargers team allowing a league worse 161 rushing yards Mm. per game to your point. So it's literally the worst defense, run defense in the league. So yeah, 30, I think that they need to have a day, huh? Let's <laughs> we, have a we, day. We're
3: like way overdue for a day. Yeah. They're third against the pass and thirty second yes. against the run. So like I <laughs> Talk think, balance, honestly, huh?
2: honestly, well, that's, that's kind of been the story of the past three weeks. Yeah, um, this Baltimore Ravens team—they were like the third worst against the run. I mean, third worst against the pass. So it's like the yin and the yang. Okay, well, what are we going to attack? Can we run the ball effectively now? Because we haven't been to throw the ball effectively on the Cowboys and the Ravens who were really bad against the past D. So.
1: But they were without their starting cornerbacks last week. Uh, Michael Davis out with the hamstring. Asante Samuel sideline with the concussion. So yeah. Samuel, if he passes protocol, will obviously be back. And then Tevin Campbell played some corner last week and yeah. he uh, left the game. So yeah. And you then know Ryan Smith, who was the starting a corner yeah. towards
2: ACL on Sunday.
1: Oh, there you go. So they're having a couple. Yes. So so hopefully that that run game will look great on Sunday and 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 really kickstart this entire offense. We talk about sustaining drives and there you go. So, Jay, what is the one thing you're excited about in this matchup?
3: I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, but I'm going to say actually the further development and solidification of the special teams unit. Mm. Um, Not only not only Kane Wangu uh, being able to step up and do what he did last week, which was a nice spark, but Barry has been doing a lot of, uh, as Greg Coleman would say, coffin corner kicks, um, dropping them inside the ten. And then you've had Greg Joseph, who's been pretty dang solid so far. So it's just being able to see those guys hopefully continue to progress and, you know, put us in situations that can either help us win or actually get us a win. Um, And so hopefully those guys can continue to progress. And I'm, I'm very excited to see that area that has been a thorn in our side for so long solidify. You think they would actually kick to Kane Wangu this week? If I'm them, why would you? But right. that just guarantees you're getting the ball to 25 every play. So for me, that's great. That's fine. <laughs> Stick us on the 25 versus inside the 20. But I'm I'm if I'm them, you know, one one time does not make a trend. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, it gets gets you a little nervous. So we'll just have to see if they make any adjustments. They rank
1: 18th in kickoff yardage allowed. Yeah, around 22 yards a game. And when we're talking about putting our offense in the best position, Kane Wangu all the way. Yeah,
3: And that's been the hardest part about him is we've wanted to see him on the field, given the injury and everything that he had, the lack of preseason, the fact that they were now able to get him into the game and just kind of release the beast. Hopefully this is going to turn into more of a trend. I'm, I'm
2: so happy that like the world got to see Kane Wangu because we've been mm-hmm. high on him all training camp. Granted, he got hurt the first preseason game, but everyone remember like during training camp and mini camp everybody's like dude this guy's fast like he can run yeah. like he might be we're doing like who would be on your team if you had to run a four by four and literally everyone had dan Chisina and kane wongu so the fact including that, all the players including all the players <laughs> and the fact that he actually was able to show the world why everyone in this building is on him that that's that's exciting man
1: very very exciting well I should have checked with you guys before Sorry. we did our two exciting things. You didn't go on that far of a limb. It was on mm. my limb. I'm just teasing. Um, uh, so I, I will call an audible and I will try and scramble and, and do my best to um, call, call dial up a good play. Um, well, I'll be honest. We did this take a second ago and I definitely said A-Bear because that's how we Cajuns say it, despite the R being in the middle of the name. But, you know, I, I know that he's... Ve- he's I know that he is very efficient. He had 11 consecutive passes in the game last week, which is just insane. But I think this defense is ready for this. I'm excited for the return of Michael Pierce potentially. I know he was he really wanted to get back in the game last week. I'm excited to see how this defense matches up because they really have hung with a lot of these really good offenses over the last, you know, not 8 games. And so I just want to see them continue to be effective. I think that the offense they score thirty points per game on average on the road. And so for me, I'm excited to see this matchup just to see what we can do against the reigning NFL rookie of the year, which I know is a soft spot. For and us AFC because, player of the week. Yeah. Because of um Justin Jefferson should have gotten it. So
3: <laughs> he's known for being a one, two, three step throw, mm-hmm. like just getting the ball out quick. I think the biggest thing against him is going to be trying to mask whatever defense you're actually running mm-hmm. and trying to kind of get him twisting in his own head in order to make some mistakes there. I think one thing we've proven over the years is that young quarterbacks, we tend to be able to to force them into situations they don't want to be. And hopefully here with Justin, um, we can do a similar thing. But As big as he is, as strong of an arm as he's got, the fact that he's as good of a player as he is as quickly as he's been, I think um, defensively they're going to have to try and mix him up as much as possible just to keep him off balance. Otherwise, he can potentially shred us.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I think he's a a better Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold, we just flustered him with.
1: After three interceptions, I would hope there are a lot of better Sam Darnolds. Yeah, I
2: mean, but (laughs) I've— I can't say this on the record Um, (laughs) so I'm gonna just keep it as I think he is a better (laughs) Sam Darnold Um, and Sam Darnold has a big arm can throw very inconsistent I think Justin Herbert big arm can throw he's a consistent Mm -hmm. thrower but if you put pressure in his face he doesn't know how to handle that Um, and that that will I think that will go well against this Minnesota Vikings defense after watching the Ravens film when the Chargers played the Ravens, who like to blitz a lot, and show Justin Herbert a lot of different coverages. That game ended in 34-6 to in the Baltimore Ravens' win. So I'm sure this Minnesota Vikings I defense— forgot about that yeah. one.
1: That was kind of—everyone was like, what is going on?
2: I'm sure Andre Patterson, Zimmer, both Zimmers I've are watching, watching a lot of that a film. A lot of that film, A yeah. lot of that film.
1: Yeah, so I think it's really exciting to hopefully get after a new young quarterback. I like to prove them all wrong. Yeah. It's always fun. Um, and not to mention, like— Again, I know Lamar Jackson had one heck of a game, but he looked uncomfortable in some situations, and if you can rattle them, you never know. So, okay, switching gears, let's talk a little bit about what about this matchup makes us nervous, which I guess my last one was kind of a nervous excitedness. So, uh, Gabe, you want to take this one away?
2: I think the obvious area is their pass game. and our pass defense, we are not the best when it comes to pass defense. You can look at the stats. And it'll show you mm-hmm. everything you need to know. Um, and having a quarterback that is top five in passing, I think he's sixth in passing yards. He has, I mean, he had arguably the best game of his career last week 123 pass rating. And then you got Keenan Allen, who is fifth in receiving yards. And then Mike Williams, Jared Cook, uh, Austin Eckler, if you want to add him to the mix, that are all viable weapons for this LA Chargers offense. And we're still kind of depleted. Not sure if Rashad Breeland is going to play this week. Patrick Peterson is not playing this week. And if that's the case, now you're asking uh, Chris Boyd to step up alongside Cameron Dansler, who they've shown that they can do it. But you got two Still superstar young, wide receivers yeah. against Still, two young cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. So um, not to mention Harrison Smith isn't playing again this week. And granted, Cameron Bynum did play well, but. Those four guys against our secondary, um, I'm sure Mike Zimmer. He's. I'm not going to say he's going to lose sleep over it, but he's going to have to work a little harder to to stop those guys, especially playing a team uh, that throw the ball 40 times per game, which is fourth most in the NFL. So, uh um, yeah, I mean,
1: if you think about it, he's kind of had a little bit of practice coaching up the young guns after last season.
2: Yeah, but I don't think we've we've played a team that that likes to throw the ball this, this much, much. Mm-hmm. and. We know what's coming. We usually know that teams like to set up the run first. That's not this L.A. Chargers team. They're, they'll set up the pass to set up the run. And then when you spread everybody out, they'll run the ball and gash you up the middle. So, yeah, good. they throw the ball 65% of the times. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Carl Scott and Adam Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer, they'll all be in the same meeting room for uh, an extended amount of time this week
1: that is crazy 65% of the time is something that you know i think every football fan wants to see out of their team with a high flying <laughs> yeah. exciting offense so yeah. uh, i'm sure people would like to see that here as a vikings fan
3: yeah mr mr herbert with over 2300 yards already on the season so far he is Ooh. he's been on fire he's in the top 10 on multiple categories this season and he definitely has the weapons to throw to. So, whether it's short game, long game, you know, Mike Williams uh, airing it out, he's already got six touchdowns this season. They've got some some serious weapons on that offense, and so uh, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day, or at least a, a fun challenge for this defense.
1: Uh, yeah, I think of it as a fun challenge. I think that's why I was excited about it, but just because I think the defense has played up to the level they need to every single week, despite the missing. Uh, But so the injuries, despite the big names that are missing. And I don't know. I don't know why I'm like so excited about that part of it, because they just seem to always keep us in these games until the very end. We have not been even remotely close to being blown out. Okay, Jay, um, what are you nervous about?
3: shining star spotlight on defensively for them Joey Bosa Joey Mm -hmm. Bosa is is known to fly around the field like crazy he's already got four and a half sacks this season and and uh, two dozen tackles defensively I think he's the guy that you have to key off of this weekend yeah for sure a lot of
2: those I think two of those sacks have come from him rushing the interior instead of exterior so Ole Udo or Ezra Cleveland um, that's going to be a matchup that they are going to want to expose so we got to step up and make plays against an all pro defensive end
1: to that point i'm nervous about sustaining drives mm-hmm. it just i every week i feel like it's going to flip a switch it's going to happen and and the the three and outs the not holding on to the ball enough i mean the defense had to be on the field for 89 plays mm-hmm. but i i think it was a little higher because of penalties 89. Um, Yeah, there are some that were obviously negated because of penalties. So um, I'm just nervous about sustaining drives. The Eagles were able to do have two lengthy scores to keep them in the game last week. I think that's kind of what you got to do. I think you got to consume the clock and feel like that's the script every single week keep the offense on the field. So Vikings Vantage, what's going on this week?
3: Gabe Henderson will have his interview with Matthew Collar. You're going to get a outside perspective coming in and Matthew is somebody that's definitely plugged in. Everyone especially in this market knows him and I think he's going to be a great addition to the show. So For sure. check it out Friday night on KFAN at 6:30 p.m. with Matthew Collar and Gabe Henderson.
1: All right. And then we've got opposing viewpoints this week with Chargers team reporter Haley Elwood. Get her insight leading up to the game. Of course, our team reporter Eric Smith on that as well. Plus, we have Cameron Bynum for this week's Game Day Live interview. He's going to talk all about Just how he was thrown into the fire and this amazing interception he made and just the transition from corner to safety in the league and things like that. So we're excited to have him as our guest this week. And the Vikings look to put those two tough losses in a row behind them in the rear view and get back into the win column on Sunday. It is a 3-0-5 kick in Los Angeles as the Vikings face the Chargers this weekend. For Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, I'm Tatum Everett. Thanks for listening.